How is everyone doing? Welcome back to another episode of The Banker Next Door. I am your host, Dr. Joe Berquist. Uh, this is the weekly update. Uh, today we're doing as of uh, February 18th, 2024. Uh, so I have a ton of stuff to get to here. But before I get into all that, I just want to say um, I posted some other videos uh, this weekend. I was a little, fortunately, with the President's Day weekend, other things going on, I was a little slow in getting some things out here this weekend. But uh, I did a gr my second interview on derivatives with Bob Newman from Chatham Financial. Um, I think that everyone would find that really enlightening. We actually go through an example of a uh, of what's called just kind of a vanilla swap or a vanilla derivatives transaction, uh, just to show you the the potential benefits of that. How you can how a bank can use that to kind of hedge some of the risk on their balance sheet and turn what's called a mismatch into a match between their liabilities and assets. So um, so I hope everyone will go and check that out. The, the first interview we did, again, was a very like kind of a 30,000 foot view. Uh, we just talked uh, kind of about um, Bob's company and Bob and his, his personal background. We talked generally about derivatives and the derivatives market, tried to give people a little history there. And then the idea was with this second interview to come in and give people an actual example so they could see you know what that derivative transaction looked like. Um, so again, I hope everybody goes and checks that out. Um, I also put up the first two um, episodes of my review of the Lords of Easy Money. Um, this is absolutely critical, and I really hope everyone goes and checks that out, because if you really want to understand what's going on in our market today and how we got to this point, you have to understand the Lords of Easy Money. You got to go and you got to look at that book. And I would tell everybody, even if you listen to my episodes, and, and so basically I did two episodes. We got through chapter one. Uh, got a lot, a lot long order, a lot more road to go there to cover. Uh, that might end up being eight or nine episodes by the time it's done. Just that in and of itself, but uh, but it's super, super critical that everybody goes and watches those episodes and checks that out. So I hope everybody will. And then um, for kind of on the fun side, I just I did a review of a Netflix documentary called BitCon, which was the uh, fifth installment of the crypto series that I've been doing, and uh, that was just an absolutely uh, wild and crazy story. Um, and the, the ending is just un is literally unbelievable. So I, I would, you know, so definitely check if you love a good story, uh, you know, definitely go check that out. Go watch the documentary on Netflix, but but see my my basically review episode and uh, see what you think. But anyway, OK, on to the news. Let's get on here. Let's see what we got here. OK, so. Uh, I did an episode last week on New York Community Bank Corp and how they had gotten in a lot of trouble. So they were able to kind of stabilize their stock price a little bit. They were able to get it up 17% to close at $4.90. Uh, after CEO Thomas uh, Kanjemi and other insiders bought over 200,000 shares of the stock worth about 870,000, Bloomberg News reported. Uh, it was the biggest rally since March 2023, the report noted. But after a January 31st announcement of a dividend slash and bigger than expected loss provisions, New York Community Bank's market value was practically halved, falling by about $4 billion, the report said. Uh, newly appointed executive chair Alexandro Dinelli. Danello, I'm sorry, uh, bought 50,000 shares while Cangeli bought about 11,000 shares. Um, so we're going to continue to monitor that New York Community Bank story. So Citigroup, 
uh, told its dealmakers to limit dr drinking at client events after receiving complaints of unruly behavior, Bloomberg News reported, citing people with knowledge of the matter. So bankers, from analysts to managing directors, were warned in calls to keep the company's reputation in mind when drinking, the report said, citing the unnamed sources. <laughs> so if anybody's ever watched uh, uh, Wall Street or Margin Call or uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, you'll maybe have some kind of uh, idea there in your imagination. So... Um, one-off charges to replenish a federal deposit insurance fund after last year's regional banking crisis slashed U.S. bank profits by 45% in the final quarter of 2023, the Financial Times reported, citing dagger aggregator bank reg data. So one-off charges to replenish the FDIC fund cut regional banks' profits by 45%. Wow, that's massive. Um, the three biggest U.S. banks, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America Corp., collected 25% less overdraft revenues in 2023, combined to $2.2 billion, uh, down by about $700 million from 2022, as the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau proposed to limit charges to as little as $3 per transaction, CNBC reported, uh, citing regulatory findings. If you look at my regulatory update episode from last week, uh, I talk a lot more about this. You can get the kind of backstory on that. Um, New York Attorney General Letitia James expanded her office's fraud case against Digital Currency Group, Inc., CEO Barry Silbert, and Genesis Global Capital LLC and its affiliates' former CEO, uh, Mr. Morrow, uh, after finding that the companies defrauded more than 230,000 investors on an investment program called Gemini Earn and caused them over $3 billion, not just over $1 billion as earlier charged. So in other words, she's going forward because the it turns out the fraud that they had committed was much worse than what was originally thought. Okay, what else What else we got here? We got a, man, we got a lot of stuff here. So, okay. The U.S. Bank Policy Institute, the American Bankers Association, other members of a trade Group Coalition urged the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to update its accounting guidance on cryptocurrencies for banks, known as Staff Accounting Bulletin Number 121. Given the developments in nearly two years that the guidance has been in effect, including the approval of certain spot Bitcoin exchange traded funds. So Morgan Stanley plans to reduce headcount in its wealth management division, expected to impact less than one percent of the unit's employees, which number less than forty thousand. The Wall Street Journal reported the cut, which represents one of the first major moves under new CEO Ted Pick, includes a small number of managing directors as well as non-customer facing employees. Um, let's see here. Franklin Templeton disclosed that it is filed for spot Ethereum exchange traded fund, becoming the eighth company to seek regulatory approval for the product. Um, investors chased Bitcoin's rally last week, helping drive daily inflows to the nine new exchange-traded funds approved to directly hold the cryptocurrency to the highest level since their launch in January. Bloomberg News reported demand for Bitcoin ETFs rose as this digital coin reached the $50,000 mark February 12th for the first time since December of 2021. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about the whole Bitcoin thing in some of my next uh, cryptocurrency series things there. We'll get some, a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, Federal Reserve Vice Chair for Supervision Michael Barr said the significant stock price decline spurred by disappointing earnings and higher loss provisions at one bank a couple weeks ago at one bank. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, New York 
Community Bank, um, are not indicative of broader problems in the banking sector. According to prepared remarks for a February 14th event, Barr also said that banks need to uh, prime themselves to be able to access the Fed's discount window and that the central bank would also continue to approve its operations in its traditional funding facility. Um, yeah, that's, ba that's basically speak for nothing to see here, no problems, the building's blowing up behind me, there's fire everywhere, but it's all cool, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. The US, this is kind of interesting, the U.S. Treasury Department's FinCEN proposed classifying investment advisors as financial institutions under the Bank Secrecy Act to deter illicit finance and national security threats. Under the proposed rule, certain investment advisors are required to implement anti-money laundering and counterterrorism financing programs in their operations and share with the government certain information about these programs, including reporting suspicious activity to FinCEN and fulfilling record-keeping requirements according to a news release. Um... Man, that's a big one. Uh, they want to classify certain investment advisors as financial institutions. Um, I can't imagine that's going to go over well. I got to believe that they're going to get a lot of blowback on, on that one, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissioner, Gary Gensler, warned public companies to do away with AI washing to be truthful about their use of artificial intelligence and the risks that come with the new technology. In a prepared speech before the Yale Law School, Gensler said companies must define to investors what they mean when referring to AI, such as how and where they, they use it and whether the companies are developing it, it themselves or it's being supplied by others. Uh, Bank of America suffered a massive data breach after one of its vendors, InfoSystems Mechanish Systems LLC, was hacked on October 29th, according to a data breach notification filed with the Office of the Maine Attorney General. The notification filed by an attorney on behalf of Bank of America disclosed that 57,028 people, including 93 Maine residents, were affected by the incident. The improperly accessed data included customer information such as name or other personal identifier in combination with social security numbers. Citigroup was urged by U.S. regulators to change how it measures default risk by counterparties in derivative transactions. An internal auditor identified deficiencies in plans to improve internal controls. Um, Reuters, citing unnamed sources and an email seen by the news outlet, the company was served with three notices by the Federal Reserve in late 2023, the report said. City reported failed exams conducted by the OCC in September and October to assess whether it had made as much progress on data integration as claimed. So, interesting. Uh, Heartland Tri-State Bank. I talked about this at the end of last week's banking update. This is a cr crazy story. The CEO, um, so the bank, so the the tri-state Heartland Tri-State Bank, they apparently borrowed 21 million from an unnamed federal home loan bank in June and July of 2023, right before it failed. American Banker reported, citing a report from the Office of the Inspector General for the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve System and the CFPB, the 21 million advances were not typical for the bank, which had not made such borrowings from the federal home loan bank system in the previous three years. So that story is crazy. Apparently the CEO got sucked into some type of crypto scam and he then embezzled $47 million from the bank. This was not a very big bank. It was a small bank there out there in Kansas city. And, um, and the bank failed. And then he borrowed money from the federal home loan bank and from another correspondent bank to try to basically cover this up. 
it blew up in his face. And so I'm sure that there were just more developments will be coming on that story, but it's a crazy story. I can't wait for Netflix to do the documentary on that one. <laughs> the um, total volume of commercial and multifamily real estate property loans coming due in the U.S. this year is $929 billion, a 40% increase from the Mortgage Banker Association's earlier estimate of $659 billion. Bloomberg News reported banks have 40 441 billion of commercial real estate loans coming due this year, the report said. So, um, yeah, it's basically what's going to happen. It's just going to be very difficult for banks to roll over all that debt at the higher interest rates, especially the office properties, your larger office properties. And we're going to we're going to start to see more issues with that coming down the road. Um, MasterCard, Visa, and American Express will establish a merchant category code for gun and ammunition stores in line with a California law that will allow financial institutions to detect and report suspicious activity. CBS News reports citing letters from credit card executives to congressmen. The law requires retailers that primarily sell firearms in the state to adopt the code by May 2025. The company executives and their letters to lawmakers assured that the code will be available by that deadline. Um yeah, I, I'm really, that really irks me. I, I'm just, I'm not happy about it. I wasn't happy when these credit card companies did this last year and then tried to deny it and then got caught for it and then basically said they were stopped doing it. And now California passes this law and here we go again. They're going to code these transactions. Um, you know, they, they don't have any right to know who's buying what, where that's, that's not for, that's not for them to know or to report, you know, it's just, it, it's, 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 it's really, um, yeah, that, that that's that's really messed up that they're that they're doing this. It's like, and it, it gets back to also a, a, during the Obama administration when they were doing Operation Choke Point as a way to try to label uh, you know gun sellers as high risk, and and I I did not agree or like that. So uh, yeah, so we'll we'll keep an eye on that one there. So okay, now on to some other news. So I saw this in the Wall Street Journal. If anybody saw the episode that I did on beneficial ownership information, uh, this was so here. Here it is. So it says a new business ownership disclosure rule launched, but many don't know about it. And that's that's what I said in the episode. So a new federal rule now requires more than 32 million small businesses nationwide to file ownership information to a little known agency called FinCEN. The problem, many of these businesses don't know about it. The, the FinCEN. The Anti-Money anti Laundering Bureau of the Treasury Department said it has been working hard to inform those affected by the new law, spreading the word through social media and asking other government agencies to help. But small business advocates say more needs to be done. As we talk to small businesses, there is a great lack of awareness on this, said Todd McCracken, president of the small, the National Small Business Association on the requirements. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a, a like I said in that video, there's a huge lack of what's going on here. And, you know, the government didn't want to talk about it. Congress didn't want to talk about it because this came, this came as part of the, uh, what was the act? Uh, I forget the name of the act right this second, but, um, but yeah, they don't want to talk about it because the act was ridiculous and it was horrible. And they, and this, they, they never should have created this beneficial ownership information in the first place. Uh, and the fact that they want people to report on this, it's nonsense. And, you know, so they're, they, I hope that, finally we'll get some awareness to this at some point down the road and and some changes will be made so um okay interesting thing here on um i got this this was for pennsylvania 
but it talked about like average the people's average debt. So Pennsylvania uh, recorded average debt per resident of eighty five thousand across mortgages, auto loans, student loans, credit cards, and other debts, which is significantly lower than the national average of one hundred and three thousand. Uh, Pennsylvania's average debt is the sixteenth lowest in the nation. the uh, The highest average belongs to Washington at a hundred. The state of Washington at one hundred eighty thousand, while West Virginia was at the lowest at sixty four thousand. Um, nationwide mortgage debt is the largest debt for most Americans. As of the fourth quarter of 2023, the average mortgage debt was 241,000 with a total balance of $12.25 trillion in the mortgage market. And the second place is student loan debt, which has an average balance of 38,000 followed by auto loan debt at 23,000. The average credit card debt amongst Americans is $6,365. But looking at the average debt by age, uh, Gen X holds the highest average non-mortgage debt of $32,000, while millennials have the highest average mortgage debt of $295,000. The lowest average debt in both categories belongs to the silent generation of at simply $7,000 and $141,000 respectively. So just some interesting debt numbers there that I wanted to point out. So uh, okay, so six months that short-circuited the electric vehicle revolution. Basically, Ford is is crying foul that uh, electric vehicles are sitting on their lot and they can't move them. No shocker there. Um, PNC blank PNC blank PNC Bank plans one billion retail expansion, including new Philadelphia area branches. Uh, I guess they saw that uh, J.P. Morgan Chase is going uh, going on a big uh, branch building binge to uh, build out those markets that they don't have a major presence in. PNC, not to be outdone, announces that they are going to build a number of new branches as well. Um, late mortgage payments pile up for giant apartment lenders. So Arbor Realty Loans suffered a Sunbelt, or, I'm sorry, funded a Sunbelt apartment boom. Many of its borrowers are now struggling with higher interest rates. So Arbor Realty Trust rose from its roots in Long Island, New York, to become a property finance powerhouse as a major lender to Sunbelt apartment buyers. It helped fuel a speculative real estate frenzy in 01 and 02. That boom ended when interest rates shot up, imperiling borrowers' ability to make payments on Arbor's loans that were often repackaged into bonds and sold to investors. Now the company is contending with a wave of property owners struggling to pay interest on their floating rate debt. So keep rolling with that one. U.S. banking regulators serve enforcement actions uh, sir, uh, I'm sorry, uh, U.S. banking regulator severe enforcement action issue hits a seven-year high. So the number of severe enforcement actions issued to U.S. banks in 2023 reached its highest level since 2016 as the banking industry faced heightened regulatory supervision. So U.S. bank regulators executed 42 severe enforcement actions in 2023 compared with 29 actions in the previous year and 58 actions in 2016. Uh, of the 2023 count, 20 actions were handed out in the fourth quarter alone versus 12 actions in the private quarter. So uh, regulators definitely tightening up their scrutiny of banks right now. Um, let's see here. Increased M&A charter switching likely under FDIC corporate governance proposal. So banks fear the FDIC's recent proposed corporate governance guidelines could lead to a surge in M&A and charter switches. So... I had, you know, kind of reported on more of this last couple of weeks, you know, a number of different episodes on M&A and other things. So, you know, see what happens with that. We'll keep switching. So retail sales drop um, 
you know, what was behind the surprise fall. So consumers tighten their belts more than expected in January. It's cold weather and higher interest rates hampered demand. Retail sales dropped 0.8% from December, a steeper decline than economists forecast for a 0.1% dip. December sales were revised down to a 0.4% gain from 0.6%. Um, still, spending was 0.6% higher than in January 2024. Today's retail sales report suggests that consumers are being cautious about their spending despite a gradual uptick in consumer confidence. No, consumers are out of gas. Consumers have have uh, the buy, they're, they're, they're maxed to the gills with buy now, pay later. They're maxed to the gills on their credit card debt. Um, a lot of their other debts have gone up. They're dealing with inflationary pressures. So yeah, they're, they're pretty much out of money and out of gas. So let's see here. What else we got? Uh, small groups of stocks driving S&P 500's narrow 24 rally. That would be what's called the Magnificent Seven of tech stocks. Outside of that, nobody else is really doing much anything. U.S. inflation remained stubborn uh, more than expected, but edged down a little bit in January. So, so the the non-core inflation fell down to 3.1%. Core inflation was still at uh, 3.9% as per the CPI. Uh, the PPI also came in and they were much higher than expected. So here's the news flash. Inflation is not going to come down. It's not going to fall any further than it currently is. Uh, and as a matter of fact, if the, if, the, if the government continues its spending and the Federal Reserve actually decreases interest rates, inflation will take off again and it'll be way worse than before. So, uh, so anybody who thinks inflation is going to come back down to 2% it ain't happening. Um, here's the next article. Still hot inflation dulls expectations for Fed rate cuts. Uh, inflation is, is proving to be far more resilient than many economists had expected. Gee, I can't imagine why. Cooling near term hopes, cooling near term hopes for lower interest rates and pushing the broader economy into unknown territory. Hmm. The Fed is in quite the pickle. Okay. Banks borrowing from the Fed's emergency funding facility surged in the fourth quarter of 2024. That is the BTFP program, which I've told everybody about, which is set to expire, I believe, on March 11th. Uh, yes, it says right here, uh, when the Fed said the BFT would expire March 11th is scheduled, the agency also said that effective immediately, the interest rate on new loans will not be lower than the interest rate on reserve balances until the program's expiring date. Um, and borrowings declined slightly by a hair from like $165 billion to $164 billion. But um, but yeah, so the borrowing surged in the fourth quarter, especially in December, as banks were basically getting it while the getting was good. Okay, so ahead of the Basel III final rule, renewable financing already feeling the chill. So tax equity dealmakers for renewable energy has slowed as developers and financiers wait for U.S. federal regulators to clarify whether proposed capital requirements for large banks will include a 400% capital waiting for tax equity according to developers and financiers. But even if the Federal Reserve and the, Fed and the FDIC adjust the final rule to address tax equity credit-like risk profile, industry experts still uh, expect project finance costs to increase. So uh, yeah, so a lot of those renewable uh, projects like wind, solar, all that stuff, looking for their continued tax breaks. Uh, U.S. banks grow non-brokered deposits for the first time in seven quarters. So 
Fourth quarter of 2023 may have marked a turning point for U.S. banks as the industry posted non-brokered deposit growth and an increase in total securities values for the first time in seven quarters and the highest loan quarterly growth of 2023. Moreover, total assets for the industry were up 1.1% sequentially following quarterly decreases in five of the past six quarters. Um, so, okay, that's good. I mean, that's good news. We'll, you know, but we'll continue to continue to keep our eye on that. Elon Musk isn't the only billionaire fighting Delaware, uh, or uh, only billionaire fighting Delaware. So, um, in case anybody hadn't seen it, uh, Delaware court basically ruled against Elon Musk's pay package and Tesla. Um, some people out there might have been screaming and saying that this was a great victory and this was awesome and all that and everything. But uh, in actuality, it was it was incredibly stupid. Um, you're going to have a whole bunch. There's a whole ton of CEOs right now sitting there going, yeah, why am I doing business in Delaware? I need to get out of Delaware. We need to get our companies and corporation out of Delaware. And we're going to go look to other states like Nevada and places where people won't come in and just unilaterally attack what we're doing. So, you know, lawfare uh, will eventually see its blowback at some point. Okay. IRS seeks information from small businesses that receive the ERC credit. Um, small business owners are receiving letters from the IRS asking for information about their claimed employee retention credits and an invitation to withdraw if they realize that they no longer qualify. So, you know, again, IRS is going to be anybody who got that ERC, uh, IRS is going to be coming knocking on your door. So uh, investors punish U.S. banks with credit quality funding cost woes in the fourth quarter of 2023. 2023. <laughs> Tweebird. Um, investors punished U.S. banks with credit quality and funding cost woes in the fourth quarter of 2023. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything weird there, there. So a firm's new direct deposit feature could bring material benefits. So a firm holdings new direct deposit feature reflects its vision to become a full-fledged financial services firm and could help it exceed its transaction value target, according to equity research notes. Um, so anybody who doesn't know, a firm is one of the buy now, pay later uh, companies that's out there right now. They're, you know, I think they're trying to do an IPO and some other stuff, uh, but, you know, trying to grow that company into other avenues. So... Uh, keep an eye on that. See what happens. Uh, U.S. bank executives split on timing of deposit cost relief. So U.S. bank ex executives expect pressure on deposit costs to diminish with the end of the Federal Reserve rate hikes, but are split on when that will happen. While many bank executives expressed hope for rate cuts during earnings calls of the fourth quarter 2023, they emphasized that there are multiple factors influencing the cost of deposits. Some market participants believe competition among depository institutions will be one of the factors keeping deposit prices from falling quickly. So yes, this is uh, this is a very, very interesting thing that I want to keep an eye on because there's a uh, there's a whole psychological component to this. There's behavioral finance, there's other things involved in this. Uh, I, I want to keep a, a very close eye on on what happens with that. So uh, U.S. community banks still striking merger of equal deals to manage uh, climbing costs. And then large M&A rebound picks up in 2024, where 2023 left off. So January marked the second straight month in which four $10 billion plus M&A deals were announced. Uh, eight deals during the period are the highest total over two consecutive months since 11 such transactions were announced from April through May of 2022. 
So, um, so yeah, so some of the large M&A uh, rebounding a little bit and community banks are looking to do what are called merger of equal deals. In other words, you have two banks of like size, like say $2 billion banks get together, put the bank together, create a $2 billion bank, kind of trim the fat, so to speak, and then and then create better economies of scale for them to generate more profit and and, and so on and so forth. So, whew. Uh, but that's all. <laughs> that is all I got for today. A uh, lot of information there. A lot of stuff going on in the banking world. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. I hope everyone will. If you liked it, make sure to please give a like. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Make sure to share our content. That always helps us out a tremendous bit. Um, I hope everybody will uh, check out the website, thebankernextdoor.com. I'm actually working on a lot of updates and some changes to the website right now that hopefully a uh, few of the things have been implemented but there's a lot more to come. Uh, I would say probably that stuff will be rolled out slowly over the next few months. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely. But things are, you know, continue to move along. Uh, I'm still having a, a lot of fun doing this. So, uh, so I hope everyone is enjoying it. Uh, please go check out some of my other episodes and I will be back next week to give you guys another update and keep you guys informed on what is happening in this wonderful world of banking. So until then, have a great week. Talk to everybody later. See ya.